Hello, fellow rebel capitalists. Hope you're well. Breaking news. The jobs numbers just came out and the market is shocked. In fact, I'm shocked. Once again, the numbers surprised to the upside. Let's go right over to CNBC and check this out. So first, before we get into the article, I want to show you how interesting, for lack of a better word, the homepage is. We're going to get into this article right here titled, U.S. Private Payroll Growth Surged by 235,000 Jobs in December, well above estimate ADP reports. But then if you go down one, two, three, four, five stories. <laughs> so just two hours ago, we have a story. Amazon says it will cut over 18,000 jobs, more than initially planned. If you've been watching this channel or, or my whiteboard videos, you know that I've been talking about this quite extensively. Prior to the Cerveza sickness, in fact, just prior, Amazon had about 800,000 employees. Now, 1.6 million minus 18,000. And they came out maybe a month ago and said that they were going to lay off like 10,000 and then turned to 12,000. Now we've got 18,000. And I kind of threw it out there on a tweet last night that by the end of 2023, because you got to think all the 800,000, most of that, I shouldn't say all, most of that was a result of this fiscal sugar rush from the government spending, which is temporary. But the people at Amazon, they don't know that. They don't watch my whiteboard videos. So they're thinking this demand is just going to be there forever. The economy's booming. It's on fire. So they hire an extra 800,000. Now they're like, whoa, time out. Demand is plummeting. So what I threw out on Twitter is that by the end of 2023, Amazon could have a lot closer to 800,000 employees than they have 1.6 right now, 1.6 million. So meaning that they maybe, maybe, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they end the year 2023 at maybe 1.2 million instead of 1.8 million. Again, closer to that 800,000 uh, mark where they began. Why? Because this bullwhip effect and a lot of things we talk about on this channel. So I just thought that was interesting that on the exact same homepage, you've got private payroll growth surging, yet Amazon, which is pretty much a, a bellwether for the American economy, at least aggregate demand, they're cutting almost 20,000 jobs. In my opinion, that 20,000 probably go a lot higher. So let's get into the specific details from the payroll report here. <clears throat> Excuse me, key talking points. Private payrolls in December rose by 235,000, well ahead of the estimate, which is 153,000. The big data surprise comes despite the Fed attempts to slow a sizzling job market. I don't know if I'd use the word sizzling. Again, we've got to look at the labor force participation rate. Let's just say that the labor force participation rate in the United States went down so much to the point where there was only one person working out of 350 million, just taking it to an extreme for the thought experiment. And let's just say that one person was employed. Well, the unemployment rate would be zero. But does that mean that our economy is healthy? Does that mean that our economy is producing more goods and services? You see where I'm going with that. The labor force participation rate matters a lot. I would say it actually probably matters more or just as much as the unemployment rate. 
Hopefully, they'll address that later on in the article. Service providers added 213,000 jobs led by leisure and hospitality. Again, leisure and hospitality. These are the, the, this is where most of the aggregate demand from stimmy checks is going to go. And if it's not stimmies, it's going to be additional uh, welfare benefits, just like we talked about yesterday, how in many states, people on welfare are making more than the median income. Well, this is exactly where it's going to go. It's going to go into leisure. It's going to go to hotels, travel, restaurants. It's There you go. It's not going to go into manufacturing, as an example. So uh, let's see. Uh, provi- so service providers in general added 213, led by leisure hospitality, which accounted for 123,000. Professional and business services grew by 52,000, while education and health services, uh, 42,000. Yeah, I mean, again, I say it all the time that the United States economy is just simply an economy that's fueled by domestic services and the aggregate demand uh, created by those services. But all the stuff that we sell is it's all made somewhere else. And so why, why does that matter? If you watched my whiteboard video on the end of the American empire, I discussed Egypt going back to, what was it, 1782 or 81 BC, my memory serves me right. And this is when their empire really started to decline. Why? Because there was this group called the Sea People that was just going around and kind of wiping out all of their trading partners. And while Egypt beat the Sea People in in a battle or a war, uh, the Sea People killed off so many of their trading partners that after a few decades, they indirectly killed off Egypt as well, even though they didn't beat them in the specific direct battle. Why? Because Egypt was dependent upon all of these trading partners for a lot of their goods and services, most likely goods, just like we are dependent on everyone else for the goods that we have. This puts us in a very vulnerable position. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Moving on, trade transport utilities saw job loss of 24,000 on the month, while natural resources mining declined 14,000, financial activities dropped 12,000. So again, just everything is all about the fiscal sugar rush from 2020 and 2021. 
So I'm scrolling through the article because I'm really curious as to, well, I guess they're not talking about the unemployment rate specifically, so they probably won't address the labor force participation because they're just looking at a, a net increase or decrease in the number of jobs. So we probably won't get that data. That's probably in a different report, I'd assume. So ADP reported that annual pay across all categories rose 7.3% from a year ago, led by a 10.1% increase in the pivotal lever, leisure. Again, all, <laughs> it's not only the jobs there, but the wage increases are, are there as well. So, I mean, it's great now. And I obviously, I hope it lasts. But if I'm placing odds, I'm going to assume that this is going to come to an end because you just have to go back and ask yourself, if if we never would have had the stimulus checks, if we never would have had PPP, if we never would have increased the welfare benefits to where they are today, can can we honestly say, if we never would have done any of that, can we honestly say that the, the jobs would just be booming and, and, and leisure and hospitality would just be on fire? I mean, you, you've got to think that through. You've got to look at, okay, so what are the variables here? And then you kind of go down the list and say, okay, what could the contributing factors be? They say the labor market is strong and fragmented. And what's amazing is they just leave it at that. They, they don't look at where it's fragmented and say, hmm, weird. I wonder why all the jobs are coming from this one area where people spend money very, very quickly, where velocity is high. Let's just put it that way. And you'd think that, that they'd have the intellectual curiosity to kind of walk down that road to dig deeper and maybe come to some conclusions. So businesses... Business segments that hired aggressively in the first half of 2022 slowed in hiring and in some cases cut jobs by tech. A trade transportation, and we went over the specific job numbers. The growth has come even with an economy that saw negative growth in the first two quarters. So the growth in payroll, the massive growth in uh, jobs, let's say, comes as we see negative growth. So why is this? I think if you go back and look at the actual number of jobs we had in 2019 going into 2020, you would see that we don't really have any more jobs today. So all of these, you know, 300,000 a month that have been created, if you actually compare that the gross total what we had at the end of 2019, you see that there isn't much of a difference. So we haven't really added jobs to the economy. We've merely replaced a lot of the old jobs we had with some of these new jobs to where we're kind of at a net wash. But keep in mind, the population is increasing. And anytime that you have economic stagnation, where, where you just plateau, even if you start here, go way down here, and then three years later, you go right back to that high watermark. That still is an economic plateau. That in and of itself, over especially over long periods of time compounded, will result in the exact same effect as an economic depression. Because you, you've got trend line growth like this. You've got the pop population growing like this. So if the economy does this or if jobs do that, then you've got an, a, a decline in that economic metric relative to the rate of growth 
in things like the population. So that translates into a standard of living that is decreasing. I mean, this is this is what we should they should really I I granted we definitely need the number month over month. But I think in this type of article, if they're being intellectually honest, they would also include the gross number of jobs that we have total, total compared to the gross number of jobs that we had, let's say in 2019 or 2020, right before the Cerveza sickness. And now the the markets are taking a hit. I saw that the probability of a 50%, uh, 50 basis point rate hike in February was up like 30%. Now it's at like 43% chance of a 50% of, of a 50 basis point hike. And the market's down over 300 points. Yeah. The, what's weird is you would think the average Joe and Jane would scratch their head and say, wait a minute, or even the people at CNBC that are maybe a little more sophisticated would scratch their head and say, wait a minute, do, do we really want a stock market that would prefer a, a worse economy yet lower interest rates to a better economy and higher interest rates? I mean, that that's what the stock market is telling you right now, that the stock market will go up if the economy does worse and the stock market will go down if the economy does better. To, to me, that that's not a stock market that isn't representative of the overall economy, which it should be, right? It always goes back to that example I give of the hot air balloon, where you've got the hot air balloon should be the economy and the basket should be the financial economy or the stock market. Now it's completely inverse, where the, the balloon is the uh, stock market and the basket is just kind of the real economy. So is it really a reflection of the overall economy like it should be? Or is this just proof positive that it's just simply a casino? And, and these people are just gambling on liquidity and, and interest rates. You, you think, I, hopefully you can understand my, or hopefully uh, my position on that is crystal clear. <laughs> I think that this is just a complete casino where everyone is gambling, like I said, on just liquidity, interest rates, what the Fed is going to do next, and the underlying fundamentals are almost irrelevant, which, by the way, is uh, that doesn't end well. On that note, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. See you in the next video.